as I was just asking God to, you know, show me, what do you want me to share with folks today? Um, he really led me to Daniel chapter 6. And this is a well-known story. You can probably guess where Daniel, where we're going, Daniel in the lion's den. Um, but it started out, God just, you know, prompting me with Daniel praying. But as I started to dig into it, God just started to reveal more and more about Daniel. And today, we're going to talk more about Daniel's victorious life. But a key part in Daniel's victorious life was that he made prayer a priority. And we're going to see that today, but, but the Word of God has so much more to say about Daniel. And we're going to look at that today as he... Uh, See, opened up my eyes as I was reading this, and I, I want to share that with you. But before we start, let's pray. God, oh, you're just so amazing. And we come to you today, and we're like Isaiah. We're not worthy. Lord, if we were in your presence, we would be undone. We would be just obliterated. Because we are so far from you in your holiness. But God, we can praise you today and worship you today because you are a God that allows sinners to have a chance to come and to know you and to be in your presence. And God, we just ask you today that you would be here with us that your spirit would just reveal itself through the words that you've given us in your Bible, through the words that we get to sing to you. I just pray that, that you would teach us, that you would open our hearts, that you would do incredible things, that you would get so much glory today through our lives, and that you would help us to learn to be still with you, that we would learn to have a deep, intimate relationship with you today. And God, thank you for Daniel, and as we look at him, I pray that you would use his life to challenge us, that you would use his life to encourage us. You would help us to walk away with a passion and a priority to pray. So God, just be with us and open us up today so you can work. In your name we pray. Amen. So like I said, most of you have probably heard the Daniel in the lion's den story. You've probably read the story, you've probably read a child the story from a children's book, so you may be very aware of this story, but don't, don't just, oh, I've heard this story, you know, just don't, don't check out, because I want us to dive deeper today. I want us to not just read the surface story, I want us to look at Daniel's life, because there's something special about Daniel. Anyone that can survive in a lion's den there's something special about him. And I want us to dive deeper today 
I want us to see that Daniel just didn't have more courage than other people. He didn't just have more luck than other people. He, did, he wasn't just the lion whisperer. He didn't have a way with animals. There was more that Daniel had. There was something more. And I believe God reveals that in this passage, in this story. But before we get into that, uh, we're going to have a little history lesson. Okay, I feel like if we don't catch the context of history here, of what's going on, that, that we may miss really the, the impact that Daniel was having in his world right then. So bear with me if you hate history. If you love history, great. So about 612 B.C., a couple years ago, a long time ago, the Medes, which were in current-day Iran, they, they conquered Nineveh, who at that time the Assyrians... Uh, ruled that area. They came in, they destroyed Nineveh, and they defeated the Assyrians. So kind of think Jonah and the whale. Jonah's going to Nineveh, that area there. About 50, 60 years later, the Persians come in, and they conquer the Medes, and then that forms the Medo-Persian Empire. So Cyrus the Great comes in, um, takes care of business, and then we have the Medo-Persian Empire. Now that same empire, 10 years later, they come in, and they conquer Babylon. Now, if you remember in the Bible, Babylon, who had a king named Nebuchadnezzar, 70 years prior to this, he comes in and he takes captive many of the nation of Israel, the, the finest folks <laughs> that, that, that were in the nation of Israel. He takes them captive and begins to integrate them into his culture as he takes over that area. And this is the Babylon that gets taken over by the Medo-Persians. But during this uh, Babylonian takeover, we see Daniel. And we see some of his buddies. We see in, in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see Daniel and his friends here. They're taken into Babylon. And, and they remain faithful, we read. But you'll have to read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego on your, on your own time. But, but we're going to look at Daniel. So Daniel remains faithful, even though he is captured by the Babylonians. He's taken out of his country, out of his context, from his family, all these things. And he's placed into another culture. And he stays faithful to God. He stays faithful. And years and years go by. Remember I said 70 years prior. So, so when we see Daniel here, Daniel's not a young pup anymore. Daniel's an older gentleman now. He has been around a while, and he's been living in Babylon, and he's been staying faithful to God. And this is where we pick up our story. Because Daniel, God has been using him in Babylon, but then Babylon has taken over. And that's where chapter 6 begins here. So read with me, Daniel chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 1 through 9, first of all. It says, Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps. That's a weird word, but it's basically like a governor or ruler. He appointed 120 satraps over the kingdom, stationed throughout the realm. And over those 120, three administrators, including Daniel, these satraps would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded. Now Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit 
So the king planned to set him over the whole realm. The administrators and satraps, therefore, kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom, but they could find no charge or corruption, for he was trustworthy, and no negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said, we will never find any charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. So the administrators and satraps went together to the king and said to him, May King Darius live forever. And all the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, satraps, advisors, governors, all the high-ups have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, your majesty, establish the edict and sign the document so that as a law of the Medes and Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. So King Darius signed the written edict. So we're going to look first at Daniel has an extraordinary spirit. But first of all, who is this Darius guy? Who's this King Darius? There's not a lot of historical record on this guy, um, so there's not a, a clear idea who this guy is. A lot of people agree he is uh, Gubaru, who is a governor in kind of the southern portion of the kingdom. So he wasn't actually, you know, over all of the kingdom. He was a governor himself. And then he was a wise leader, though, because he was placing leadership underneath him to help rule his area of the kingdom. And then over those, he was placing leaders over them to make sure that they did a good job. So, so this, this governor, he, he was a smart guy. He was a wise fella. And he um, was making plans to rule this kingdom well so that Cyrus, the big uh, leader of the whole kingdom, wasn't going to be defrauded. They wasn't going to lose anything. So he's doing this. He's placing all these people over things. And, and you know who's at the top? A Jewish captive, a Jewish exile named, da- named Daniel. How does that happen? <laughs> how does this happen? You know how it happens? It says he had an extraordinary or an extraordinary, however you want to say it, spirit. But what does that mean? What does it mean to have an extraordinary spirit? Well, let's let the Bible define the Bible. If we look a little earlier in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 4, if you want to flip back there, verses 8 and 9, there's another king. This is when Nebuchadnezzar was the king. And he says, finally, Daniel, named Belteshazzar, that was the name that Nebuchadnezzar gave Daniel, Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, now look at this, and a spirit of the holy gods is in him, came before me, and I told him the dream. Belteshazzar, head of the magicians, this is Daniel, he's head of the magicians, because I know that you have the spirit of the holy gods, and that no mystery puzzles you. Explain to me the visions of my dream that I saw and its interpretation. And then in verse 18 it says, This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now Belteshazzar, 
tell me the interpretation because none of the wise men in my kingdom can make the interpretation known to me, but you can because you have a spirit of the holy gods. And then in Daniel chapter 5, the next king after Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, they tell him, there's a man in your kingdom who has a spirit of the holy gods in him. In the days of your predecessor, he was found to have insight, intelligence, and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods. Your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, mediums, Chaldeans, and diviners. Your own predecessor, the king, did this because Daniel, the one the king named Belteshazzar, was found to have a, here it is again, extraordinary spirit, knowledge and intelligence, and the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, solve problems. Therefore summon Daniel, and he will give the interpretation. In verse 14, it says, I've heard that you have a spirit of the gods in you, and that insight, intelligence, and extraordinary wisdom are found in you. It's obvious that these pagan royalty, they recognize that Daniel is filled with the Spirit of God. They don't have the right gods, because they've got lots of gods. But they could tell, man, this guy is filled with the Spirit of God. And because of that, he has wisdom and intelligence and the ability to solve riddles, to interpret dreams. He wasn't corrupt. He was trustworthy, hardworking. This man was extraordinary. Extraordinary. That's why Darius was going to set him at the top. Because honestly, Daniel was the only man he could really trust. I mean, look at these other guys. They're, they're trying to get Daniel... In the lion's den. He could only trust Daniel because Daniel had an extraordinary spirit. But the question is do you have the Spirit of God in you today? If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that you have the Spirit of God living in you. Living in you. That means you have an extraordinary spirit living in you. Does the world around you say that you're extraordinary? Probably not. <laughs> Doesn't tell, they don't tell me that. But why not? Why does the world not look at us and say, man, they're extraordinary. They've got, they've got something in them. They've got something in them that makes them different. They've got these different abilities. The ability to deal with things with hope. They've got incredible wisdom that I don't know where they got it from. They've got to have something in them that helps them with that. You and I, we have the Spirit of God, that extraordinary Spirit that can help us be extraordinary too. We can be like Daniel. Because Daniel lived in a culture that was trying to turn him away from God. That was Nebuchadnezzar's plan. Let me integrate these young people into my culture and I'll teach them false things, well, the things he thought was true, but for them was false, and I'll just change them. And they'll, they'll, they'll quit following their things, and they'll, they'll follow what I want them to. And this culture, this whole culture was corrupt. 
This whole culture was sinful, and it was all about things that God didn't like. But yet Daniel, with this extraordinary spirit, he was able to, to follow God and trust God. And it affected the way that he behaved, the way that he thought, the decisions he made, the way that he spoke, the way that he obeyed authority. Look, he's, he's obeying whoever is in authority of him. He obeys them as long as it doesn't cause him to change what he knows God wants him to do. But you can do these same things. I don't want you to walk out of here today and say, man, that Daniel, he was extraordinary. He's one of a kind. One of a kind. I could never be like him. I'm telling you, you can be like Daniel. You can be like Daniel. He wasn't just one of a kind. Do you guys remember in the Bible, Joseph? Joseph was not royalty. Joseph was a slave in Egypt. But because of his extraordinary spirit, God exalted him. Pharaoh exalted him in Egypt to a point where he was over all of Egypt. It says in Genesis 41, verse 38, it says, And he said to them, Can we find anyone like this? Talking about Joseph. A man who has God's spirit in him. This is Pharaoh talking about Joseph. Can we find another man that has God's spirit in him? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as discerning and wise as you are. You will be over my house, and all my people will obey your commands. Only I as king will be greater than you. And Pharaoh also said to Joseph, See, I'm placing you over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was extraordinary, but he had the Spirit of God. It doesn't mean he was someone special. God can take any of us with the Spirit of God and make us extraordinary. And don't forget Mordecai. Read the book of Esther in, in chapter 10. It says, Mordecai the Jew is second only to King Ahasuerus, or however you say his name. <clears throat> but you can read about him later. But there's people in the Bible that are extraordinary because of God's Spirit. So this Daniel, he had the Spirit of God. He was extraordinary. But he had more than that. Okay? We've got the Spirit of God. But if we're going to be like Daniel, <clears throat> there's something else we got. You know, I'd be saying, when you get into the prayer part, <laughs> we're getting to the prayer part now, okay? All right, so we're going to look at Daniel. Back to Daniel 6. We're going to look at verses 10 through 15. It says here in verse 10, <clears throat> When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, look what he did. He went into his house. The windows in its upstairs room opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. <clears throat> then these men went as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. So they approached the king and asked about his edict. Didn't you sign an edict that for 30 days any person who petitions any God or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den? And the king answered, uh, As a law of the Medes and Persians, the order stands and is irrevocable. Yes, I did, and can't be changed. Then they replied to the king, Daniel, 
One of the Judean exiles has ignored you. The king ignored you, the king, and the edict what you signed, for he prays three times a day. And as soon as the king heard this, he was very displeased. He set his mind on rescuing Daniel and made every effort until sundown to deliver him. Then these men went together to the king and said to him, You know, your majesty, that it's a law of the Medes and Persians that no edict or ordinance the king establishes can be changed. We see that Daniel had a high priority on prayer. A high priority on prayer. But, oh, Daniel, you did it this time, right? You know, Daniel, he just could have prayed in secret for, uh, for 30 days. He could have prayed with his windows shut just for a month, so just for 30 days, but he didn't. He didn't. And this is why I believe Daniel is an amazing example to us to shoot for when it comes to prayer. But let's look at what he did. Let's look, is, after he heard that that document had been signed, let's look at what he did. It first says that he prayed towards Jerusalem. Why did he do that? Why did he pray towards Jerusalem? You see, back in 2 Chronicles, when King Solomon was the ruler over the nation of Israel, he prayed to God in front of all the people. 2 Chronicles 6, 36, it says, When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, And you are angry with them and hand them over to the enemy and their captors deport them to a distant or nearby country. Does that sound like what's happened to Daniel? And when they come to their senses in the land where they were deported and repent and petition you in their their captor's land saying, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked. And when they return to you with all their mind and all their heart in the land of their captivity, when they were taken captive, And when they pray in the direction of their land that you gave their ancestors, in the city you have chosen and towards the temple I have built for your name, may you hear their prayer and petitions in heaven, your dwelling place, and uphold their cause. May you forgive your people who sinned against you. Why is Daniel got his window open facing Jerusalem praying? Because he's a captive, he's in exile. He is still being disciplined. His people are still being disciplined by God. And he was to pray towards Jerusalem and ask God for forgiveness. Ask God for forgiveness and ask for God to return them to their land the way that they were. That's why he was doing that. He knew every day he needed to pray, pray, so that God would get them out of Babylon. you know, we can pray every day for our country, right? Our country is not a country that is following God in many ways. There's a lot of things going on that aren't pleasing God. But we can pray for our country. We can ask for forgiveness. Because we're all part of this country, right? Ask God for forgiveness for our sins. Ask God for forgiveness for the sins of our country. And ask Him to restore us to a place where we're following God. And God is our king, just like Daniel is doing. What a great example for us. He also prayed three times a day. 
This was all part of his daily routine. This wasn't just like, oh man, this decree has been signed. I'm running to God to ask God to save us. No, he did this every day. This was his routine. This was his way of life. And this is convicting to me. You know, I, I want to have consistency in my prayer with God. Yeah, I go throughout my day and pray here and there and when things come up. But do I spend consistent time with God? And that's what Daniel did. This is an old guy. He comes out every day. He's consistent. Old fella comes in. And as we see, he, he gets down on his knees. It says there that Daniel got on his knees three times a day. Imagine getting back up after praying for a while when you're older. But that was Daniel. He was consistent. But he was on his knees because he was in a place of submission. A place of submission before God. And wow, this one really hit me. Because how many people in here, is it weird to get on your knees to pray, like, consistently? Does anyone do that consistently? Okay, I'm not alone. Um, It's kind of awkward sometimes, isn't it? Inconvenient, maybe, to just stop what you're doing and get on your knees. Like, isn't it easier to sit in a chair and pray or, or lay down and pray? But, but not Daniel. Daniel got on his knees in a position of submission. He didn't have this prideful thing going on that he couldn't submit to God. I mean, look at him. He's like second in charge in, in this whole area, like... If anybody would have a, a sense of pride and I, I'm too good to like bow down, it would have been Daniel. But no, Daniel comes to God and he bows down on his knees. He gets on there and, and he submits to God and prays. And when he's doing that, he gives thanks, he petitions, and he implores God. You know, he's thankful. Daniel's even thankful and as an exile in a strange country with strange customs, strange people, strange laws. He comes and he's thankful to God. But he does cry out for God's favor. And he does cry out that God would protect them, that would return his people to the way it was. Now, I don't know how many of you watched the Bengals game on Monday, but there was a lot of people crying out to God for DeMar Hamlin as he's laying on the field during that game. And it just got me thinking. You know, the days after, I was thinking more. I was like, man, so many people praying for this man. How many other people in the world are dying in suffering that we don't even pray for? I'm like, let this be an example for us to cry out for all of those that are dying and suffering and hurting and are broken. Let us not just pray for those that are celebrities, that are sports athletes, but pray for the least of these. Pray for those that don't have anyone supporting them. And Daniel, man, he was just crying out to God three times a day on his knees facing Jerusalem. What an example of prayer. So Daniel had the Spirit of God, and he prayed to God. Do you have the Spirit of God? 
You can if you don't. But if you do, great. Do you pray? May we pray. So now you might be saying, well, that's enough about prayer. Let's move on. Get on to the lions. We're going to get on to the lions now, okay? Let's look again here in Daniel chapter 6, verses 16. It says, so the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you continually serve, rescue you. Did you hear that? This is the king saying this to Daniel. He just throws him in the lion's den and says, may your God that you continually serve. Daniel had a testimony, even to the king. You continually serve that God. May he rescue you. Verse 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and he could not sleep. And at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel. I mean, Daniel must have been great friends with the king. Because the king comes and cries out with anguish to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, the king said. Has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke with the king. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they haven't harmed me. For I was found innocent before him and also before you. Your majesty, I have not done harm. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was brought up from the den, he was found to be unharmed, and he trusted in his God. And the king then gave the command, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den, they and their children and their wives. They had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. So Daniel's in trouble. Daniel's in big trouble. He gets thrown in the lion's den. And no one can help him. Not even the king. The king has tried everything he can. Daniel's helpless. But he's not hopeless. Right? He's helpless, but he's not hopeless. Because what does he have? He's got an extraordinary spirit in him. He's been praying to the one that can save him. He's helpless, but he's not hopeless. But this situation kind of reminds me of, I try to teach my kids, no matter what harm may come to you, no matter how the situation may turn out negative for you, Always do the right thing. And always do what God wants you to do. Man, that's what's happened to Daniel. Daniel's done the right thing. 
Daniel's prayed to God, disobeying the law, but doing what God wants. And now he's in a lion-filled den for being faithful. But remember this. Remember this. If we are faithful to do what is right in God's eyes, we can fully trust that whatever happens is God's plan. Did you hear that? If we're faithful to do what is right in God's eyes, we can fully trust that whatever happens to us, it's God's plan. That's the situation Daniel's in. It's the situation he's in right now. You know what Daniel needed? Daniel needed a savior. And you know what? Daniel had a savior. He had a savior. Because that savior came in and stopped the mouths of the lions. Now these lion, lion dens in this area, there's, there's not really any caves there. Like the water table's super high, it's flat, the plains, all this and that. So I'm assuming it's, it's a building made to hold lions. They would uh, use them for sport. They would let them out and they would hunt them. And they would, you know, use this for executions and things like that. But they had these, these dens, these buildings that looks kind of like the picture up there. I would, I would say that would be pretty... Um, pretty close, but I always had this picture in my head of this natural cave, you know, underground cave with lions in it, but, but I think it's probably more something like this. But Daniel's in there, all alone, with hungry lions, and his Savior stops the mouths of the lions. God comes to his rescue and stops the mouths of the lions, Now, even though Daniel's Savior hadn't saved the nation of Israel yet, he came and saved Daniel. He came and saved Daniel. You know, our God is a personal God, right? If you get in a situation where you need God, like, God will show up for you. Just like the situation where... We had this unchangeable law called sin and death that, that we could do nothing about. But Jesus, our Savior, came and stopped the mouths of sin from devouring us. And he shed his blood and was buried and rose again so that we could be saved and we could be freed from this law. This law that can't be changed. Jesus was the only one that could come and make a way for us to get around this law. He's our Savior too. Just like He saved Daniel. He's our Savior. And today if you're here and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, wow, I'm telling you, this is the God that you're going to serve if you give your life to Him. A God that will come into a lion's den and save a man that needed him. And that's just one little example of how powerful our God is. So if you come today, you haven't found Jesus, man, find him today. And you do that by trusting in what he did for you, how he died on the cross, shed his blood, was buried, rose again after three days, doing that he's overcome sin, overcome death, so that you 
can give your life to Him and just have an incredible relationship with Him. And all of you that have done that, you've got the Spirit of God. You can pray to Him. You've got a Savior. You can be like Daniel. You can be like Daniel. Don't put Daniel on a pedestal. Daniel's another man just like you and me. But he's extraordinary because of that spirit, prayer, and he's got a Savior. Ben, could you come up for me while we look at these last couple verses here? Man, just an amazing, amazing story with Daniel. But God does something so cool, even beyond saving Daniel from the lions. Just the fact that Daniel was saved affected the king and impacted the king so much that he chose to write a letter to all of his kingdom, to all of the kingdom. And here's what it says. It says in verse 25 of Daniel 6, The king Darius wrote to those of every people, nation, and language who live on the whole earth, May your prosperity abound. And I issue a decree that in all my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. For he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Isn't that incredible? God does something in Daniel's life and in doing that one thing, the word of who he is gets spread to everyone. Incredible. Amazing. So as we go out this week, I don't want you to look at yourself as just uh, just another person trying to make it through this week. I want you to think of yourself as someone like Daniel. Man, I've got the spirit inside me. I can do extraordinary things. I want you to spend time with Jesus praying and asking God for forgiveness and for direction and wisdom so you can serve Him. I want you to thank Him for being your Savior. And I think if we do that, like, man, who knows what God can do? God can spread His glory all throughout our country, all throughout the world. I hope that encourages you. This encouraged me, challenged me to live differently this week. And why don't we stand and let's worship this incredible God that did this incredible things in, in Daniel's life. And let's stand, but let's pray before we, before we worship God. We're just in awe of you. Just amazed that, that you would even take the time to listen to us that you would even take the time to to save us that you would even 
take the time to even create us. You are the great creator. You are almighty God. You're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And you're our father and you're our friend. You are everything to us. God, help us to lift our voices now and bring you so much glory. We just thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.